Have you ever loved your headshots? Would you rather go to the dentist than get your professional picture taken? For many people, it's a toss-up. They never like images of themselves, and sessions are awkward. If you're done with the standard headshot, it's time for the best. It's time for high-end headshots. Headshots you actually like. High-end headshots is a new kind of headshot experience. It's the polar opposite of being told to say cheese. Facial expression coaches produce images that resonate, images that actually look like you. Head photographer John Meadows coaches you, educates you, and takes your feedback into account as you go through the session. Visit highendheadshots.com to check out some of his work and schedule your appointment today. That's highendheadshots.com. That's highendheadshots.com. Tell them Brian sent you. You're listening to the Government Huddle Podcast, brought to you by GMarkU. Each episode features a unique discussion led by public sector executive and global government thought leader, Brian Chittister. Experts in all things government from around the world join the show to share their stories and provide insight into the rapidly changing landscape that is the public sector. From digital transformation to workforce issues and even thoughts on policy, nothing is off limits. Come on, let's huddle up. In Davos, our goal was to share our experience because we I'm head of IT department, so me it's about technology, how we use it, and our main uh, message was resilience through digitalization, and we um, have a lot of examples how we use technology to save lives, uh, to make it uh, in in war city more comfortable because. First of all, when before the war, our target was about the comfortable smart city for citizens. Uh, we expanded this uh, message and it's how to survive in, in, in big cities in period of war. Welcome back to the Government Huddle Podcast, guys. I'm your host, Brian Chittister. Today's episode is going to be a really special one with Oleg Palawinko. He's the chief information officer for the city of Kiev, and he's fresh off his trip to Davos, where the World Economic Forum held a recent event. And he was able to meet with global ICT leaders to talk about the challenges that they're facing in this wartime and some of the help that they need to build the right government technology infrastructure to support the citizens of Ukraine. Rebuilding Ukraine's economy after this war is really a significant opportunity to modernize the country, to build quality transport and logistics infrastructure uh, that'll ultimately connect them to the West and embed Ukraine in a Euro-Atlantic community. Technology is going to play a crucial part, of course. And since 2014, Ukraine's really been on the forefront of that digital revolution. The country had a lot of success in this area. Some even dubbed them the emerging tiger of Europe. With more than 200,000 qualified workers, the ICT community contributed 4% of the country's gross GDP. Ukraine has really been on the forefront of leveraging emerging technologies to support government, including cybersecurity, AI, mobile applications, and even blockchain. During this war, digitization has been a lifeline to the Ukrainian people and economy on par with basic services such as banking, electricity, and water. The government of Ukraine, for example, has adapted its digital platforms to provide learning, 
public services, and other spaces critical to the war effort. Digitization is also going to be an integral component of the reconstruction process and modernization of the economy in the post-war Ukraine. I feel really fortunate to have this opportunity to speak with Oleg to talk about some of the challenges that are really unique to him and his team in Kiev and what they're doing to really drive modernization forward in this type of environment. Oleg, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Brian. Thank you for having me. Thank you for introduction. Let's make interesting conversation. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I mean, when, when, we, when we opened up this morning and we, we started talking, you said your day started with a, with a, uh, a missile alarm at, at 1 a.m., What's it been like living um, living in the city of, of Kiev right now? Uh, you know, the, every Kievian, uh, Kievian uh, have uh, now two challenges. One of them is potential risk of missile attack. And it's quite uh, uh, risky because uh, our, our, any, our special forces still cannot hit all the missiles all type of missile which uh, Russia uh, launched to Kiev. So uh, almost a- every time we sure that some of the missile can hit the target and uh, that's, that's the risk for all who lives uh, near. And the second challenge is blackouts, yeah, because the targets, it's our critical infrastructure, it's uh, energy sector, and uh, each missile hits... Uh, electricity and we lose it uh, so daily routine starts from that that you charging your power bank you are preparing for uh, some period of time that you will be without electricity it can be five six uh, hours minimum every day wow i mean so you you were uh recently in in davos for the world economic forum and had to be very surreal leaving the environment that you're in right now and going to another situation where you're not worried about those types of things and you're looking around seeing people that that don't have these daily challenges um what was what was this travel like tell me a little bit about about your time in davos uh yeah you you know like ukrainian uh, when you see the normal life normal normal European life you, you you are smiling because you you understand that this is cool to have s- such options so so easily in 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 connection you know because for example my travel to Davos starting from 30 hours trip and it's only to pass 2000 kilometers you know in Europe it's it's incredible numbers uh, in in two, 2023 uh, the, so Davos it's, uh, was was very good for Ukrainians this year because we don't spend time to explaining uh, Europeans what's going on. Because after 2014, all the time we're explaining that that was Russia and uh, that was attack from the Russia in 2014. But n- now uh, everybody understands the mask uh, goes down and... Uh, <clears throat> Now Ukrainian uh, have their position, and in Davos it was in every panel. So we are very thankful for s- such help, uh, which we feel from European Union, from United States, from uh, you know from all 
civilization in, in, in our planet, we, we feel support and we are really thankful. And that was about this in Davos. Our goal was to share our experience because we I'm head of IT department. So me, it's about technology, how we use it. And our main uh, message was resilience through digitalization. And we um, have a lot of examples how we use technology to save lives, uh, to make it uh, in, in war city more comfortable. Because first of all, when before the war, our target was about the comfortable smart city for citizens. Uh, we expanded this uh, message and it's how to survive in, in, in big cities in period of war. What, ty- what type of support? So tell me a little bit about um, your efforts and, and conversations that you were having in Davos. What type of support are you seeing more specifically from the, the EU, especially on some of these technology initiatives that you have going on, like smart cities, etc.? Um, a lot of technology companies uh, helping us, uh, starting from, for example, cybersecurity. We have uh, support from uh, different companies like uh, Cisco, Fortinet, uh, like um, Cloudflare. Uh, all of them uh, helping us in, diff- in different uh, way. And uh, some of them give us technology, what, what we really uh, need now. For example, Cloudflare helps us really to protect ev- everyday uh, tasks. Uh, which uh, other vendors in cooperation, we implementing disaster recovery solutions, which we needed because previously uh, we are more focused on service level how to make it uh, in in disaster way. Uh, now we have missile attacks, we have physical uh, disrupt, disruption of our infrastructure. That's it's new, new challenges and we need uh, other technologies. So, for example, uh, bomb shelters and place of um, heating where the people can get... Uh, uh, heat internet connection where they can make an, any stuff which cannot make it home because it's the reason of blackout. It's the points of help for, for, for people. For all of them need diesel generators, which we don't have in, in such way, Wi-Fi connection, uh, routers, uh, and it's thousand uh, in, in Kiev. It's... Uh, 100,000 in, in Ukraine. So such kind of help we are asking and a lot of partners help us in, in this way. Oleg, let me ask you this. Do you feel like you have the luxury right now of looking at what a post-war Ukraine and post-war Kiev looks like from this posture as well? Or are you are, are you solely focused on on the here and now and the tactical of of survival um you, you know the, the right answer is that we, we we trying to go in both way because of course uh, the daily task about how to make uh, our infrastructure more resilient it's uh, the daily task in global uh, we understand that we need to change the strategy uh, we need to change um, from security to resilience in in cyber uh, security we need expanding of our public 
safety com uh, capabilities. Uh, we change uh, our vision of digital twin. You know, it's quite uh, quite. Uh, popular in smart city conferences to talk about the digital twins of the city and in municipal task previously we are was focused more now in uh, public security reason we see that uh, we need this solution really need because uh, for example we have a lot of big factories inside uh, the city and when the missile hits one of the building inside the factory uh, for uh, our services it's quite um, challengeable to manage how to get there to have the similar information about uh, some private property in in that moment so all this data previously we didn't collected this data now we need it for uh, real digital digital twin and to be very flexible in response to manage the big amount of citizens uh, this is uh, one of the first challenge what we are faced for in the February because Kiev it's 3.5 million citizens in in normal life uh, in March in the middle of the March when the uh, Russia was in Bucha in Irpin in the nearest city there was less than one million so we have made migration of 2.5 million people from the city in two weeks. That's uh, challengeable. A lot of uh, requests from the citizens was what's happened in this time. All these cases changing uh, our mindset, and now we are start uh, to implementing in it uh, in our digital strategy. What we are developing for the next years. So, what did some of these initiatives then look like? for you prior to the war. So I understand kind of how you, uh, how you're going to look kind of moving forward it, when you do kind of get that luxury, but prior to the war, what were some of your key focus areas, especially in support for the citizens of Kiev? Were you focused on the the citizen experience that they had? I know the, the app that has been deployed um, within the city has been really popular. In fact, I, I I saw adoption rates were were incredibly huge. Um, but what were some of those key focus areas for you prior to this uh, to this aggression? Uh, the key priority it's uh, communication with uh, citizen. It's in in trustable way. You know, it if it's uh, that's key. In, yeah, in one in in one sentence because. Uh, when when we try to solve this task, first of all, we need internet connection. And here we have a lot of challenges now because the main uh, channel for the citizens is telecom operator. Telecom operator in Kiev have more than 1.5 thousand base station. And even 10% of them not covered by the diesel generator. So when we have blackouts, we haven't uh, this channel of communication. So we, we, we make backup channels in uh, public Wi-Fi, in metro station, we have uh, optical channels of internet. So we we preparing other options, how people can use uh, internet and receive internet connection. Starlink, a lot of Starlink now uh, came to Ukraine. We use it 
in, in, in small cities around and in Kiev, like the backup channel. Uh, after that, the trustable. That's why we used our application because previously citizens received a lot of news from Telegram channels, from uh, any kind of the groups, some sites which can be defaced and can be manipulated by uh, other authorities. And uh, when we solve these uh, two tasks, we tell, okay, here is the instruction how you can have, have internet connection, and here is our application where you can receive trustable information. Thanks to that, uh, our application was built based on transport application, where is the ticketing system, where is your payments for parking, or all, all about the transportation. Yeah, it's quite popular in, in Kyiv, more than 2 million uh, uh, clients now we communicate through this application. And in this channel, we start to give any kind of information what you need in, in surviving the city. We have now map where you can find bomb shelters, air alarm, information about uh, evacuation, information about curfew hours inside the city, information about the ecology situation. Next week we have um, uh, update where we will be the sensor uh, of uh, radiation level in in city. So all information what can be you useful to survive, all we now transport that. And by the way, that was one of my message in Davos that we were now ready to share with such kind solutions with our city who don't have it, because these challenges, it's quite similar. Uh, when, when you have the challenges of war, it's similar to natural disaster. And not especially you, you have to war with somebody to have such challenges. So our experience is quite useful for the city which uh, want to be ready for future challenges. That was you've, the messages. You've you've used the word trust a fair amount in in a lot of these focus areas. I think, I mean, I, I think that's important for any government. But I can imagine. Um, especially for yours right now, are you guys still combating disinformation campaigns um, from Russia? I know even in the United States, that's been something that is a big focus area from a national security perspective. I can only imagine that must be one for you as you're trying to communicate with your citizens with with actual information that can be valuable to them. Yeah. Yeah, and that was uh, you. You were very right to underline this point because uh, Ukrainians in normal life they like to receive news some from Telegram channels, uh, but more than half of them it's unknown uh, by the author. So you just have the the. the icon in in telegram and that's all and you have one more than few millions for example subscribers in these channels and our our uh, defense minister all of uh, our high politics tells that these uh, channels manipulated and organized by russians but people still uh, reading them because some of uh, materials what 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 they distribute it looks correct and all the time this challenge you have. And our enemy, it's quite uh, 
um, strong. Um, they have factory of trolls uh, in Twitter and uh, all of uh, these resources now they use against Ukraine. Ukraine, all our resources, we have our IT army and we fighting in in advanced we always uh, working with information on government level underline where is the lies where is the manipulation but the same time you have to be ready in every moment that some of your resources can be defaced and and you have uh, any uh, several you you have several uh, channels where you can double check and uh, communicate to people that's why applications uh, it's a quite trustable way because in the, in this uh, when, when you launch the app we, we have all security issues and uh, through them people believe and understand that this is trustable information i know you your government was working with elon musk on the starlink initiative um I know early on into this uh, into this situation, is that something that you think you can can get help from uh, now that he has so much influence within Twitter? Is that a, a resource for you guys to be able to help support this disinformation campaign? Mm, of course, uh, any any platform it's uh, quite important uh, to Ukraine because we. In every moment, for example, two weeks ago, uh, when was previous missile attack, there are one of the uh, house uh, holders building, big building in Dnipro was hit by these rockets. And Russians uh, started three different media campaign where they explaining uh, that uh, if Ukraine uh, don't be fight, uh, there is uh, no civilians' uh, death. And uh, that was quite a force campaign where we need uh, to, to give message in, um, in response. And even uh, our Minister of Defense, he's commented this situation and the, the, the message which Russian trying to send in, uh, in Ukrainians. So any, any media platform it's crucially important in uh, war. Are there are there any initiatives that you have going on right now that are um, separate from the the resistance from from the from the war? Are there things? I know we talked a little bit about um, what you might want to do uh, in in a post war situation, but even now in 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 the in the current state are there programs that you're working on that are are separate from efforts to support the the military in the war um yeah you, you know even uh, after the military task they not uh, in response of kiev city council we are like the city management we are focusing on uh, the citizens and the city the military task, it's the Ministry of Defense, that's uh, their projects and uh, they cover now Kyiv uh, from, from the missile attack and uh, from the drones attack. In, in our main priority is uh, pu pu public safety. And the next, uh, it's that which helps us to manage uh, city and make it uh, 
comfortable for, for citizens even in this situation. Because now in Kiev, more than 3.2 uh, million citizens. So almost uh, as before the war. So the challenge is the same. There's householdings, we need to repair it. We need to make the, uh, receive uh, any, any kind of request from, from the citizen. But in parallel, we develop one uh, main uh, area, it's electronic democracy. And previous year, even in war situation, we launched the voting for petitions in, in Kyiv Digital. So now in two, two, two clicks, you can uh, vote for any changes in the, in the city. And the, uh, because of reason of war, we close all open data resources. Uh, where you can find any information about what's what's going on in in management of the city, it's closed informational, so the people have less information about the management, how they can be involved in management of the city. That's why the petition become quite important. And for example, we used uh, electronic democracy for voting for changing the names because uh, the more than half of our streets have the different kind of post uh, from Soviet Union heroes or from the uh, Second World War heroes uh, in, in, in the names of the parks and the streets and the, the trolleybus or metro station. So more than 400 uh, these names was uh, changed through the voting in, in Kyiv Digital. And this is like the first steps uh, for electronic democracy in uh, in Kyiv Digital. And we plan to expand these services because our main goal is 100% services of the city have to be in electronic channel. And uh, the, the application, it's like your remote control from your smart apartments, but the same from smart city. Let me ask you this: as we as we start to wrap up, um, you you've obviously been going through a difficult difficult time over the past year, um, along with uh, the rest of your your fellow countrymen and women. Um, we've all watched, obviously, from afar and and kind of seen what's going on. And then at the same time, there's other issues happening in the world, right? Um, part of which I think um, this the, the Russian attack sort of catalyzed, but. Uh, I think in, we've seen inflation. We've seen um, the tech industry take a take a hit. There's been a lot of things that have happened. When we look at this, I think that it, we can get this feeling of of doom and gloom. But I'm curious to know when you're in these situations, what's something right now that's that's really giving you hope for the future? The main uh, role you, of Ukrainians now that's what what give every everyday motivation. Uh, we are fighting for our country and uh, all of us uh, in, in February feel that we can lose it. We really feel that. When, when you understand that uh, the Russian was in five kilometers from your capital and uh, you, you really understand that the capital can fall down, you understand that you lose all the country. And everybody... Uh, um, every Ukrainians who step out from the house in, 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 in that period, you understand that in the evening there was no house or you, you cannot come back there. And this, that's changed the uh, nationality mindset. 
and every day you starting from the mind how I can uh, help to my country now, what what I can do the best, and this is our motivation in in moment of now. Uh, that what helps us to fight every day, and. Uh, the second was its international support. Uh, we really feel it uh, because in, 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 in the moment of, uh, of disaster, it's quite important to feel that somebody can help you, that you, you can call to somebody and help you. And, you know, the, the, the volume of support, it's quite to imagine. Eight million people. It's, it's huge numbers now, not in Ukraine. Eight million people every day feel support in Poland, in uh, Hungary, in uh, every European country, which uh, helps uh, the, the Ukrainians live in their homes. And, and these people every day helps Ukraine. And we feel it. It's, we feel it in communication. And that's uh, all, all together or all these feelings don't give us chance to step back. And the challenges, you know, inflation uh, in, in Ukraine, it's, it's much more than in every European country. Uh, the, the challenge of war, the difficulties of the resources, uh, all of these challenges uh, makes us stronger. We, we, you know, after every Russian missile attack, we say, but it's better than be under the Russia. Because the values of the Russia now, it's the values of barbarians. Uh, we, 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 we not agree to, to, to live under these values. And uh, that's help us uh, to look at inflation like on something uncomfortable. But now our main goal is to stop Russia and save our nationality, our territory and our people. That's an incredible outlook. I think one of the things that I've seen, and I think a lot of us have seen all over the world, um, that it's been really inspiring and motivating is to see how something like this hasn't broken your country apart, but but the very very much the opposite. It's really galvanized um, not only not only the citizens of Ukraine, the military, um, the global community, and I think that's something coming out of this that's giving me a little bit of hope is just. Um, how humans respond in the face of adversity. Um, and to me, I think, again, it's inspiring to see how, how you, how the rest of your, your countrymen and women have, have done just that in the face of, of this aggression. Um, Oleg, thank you so much for your time today. Any final thoughts you want to leave with the listeners before we wrap up? Uh, you know, I'm, again, I'm, really thankful to to your country to all audience who every day uh, read news about ukraine pay attention to ukraine uh, because i understand that in in such a changeable world it's quite hard to know anything about some country in Europe when you live in United States, in Canada or somewhere. And I'm really thankful to everyone who still pay it, uh, look after us, uh, who help us, who donate, who help us, our army. We are really thankful. And uh, uh, from our side, 
all kind of experience what what we have in smart cities how to make uh, cities more resilient uh, we are we are open for any kind of lab tech based on our city we are ready for testing new technology so we are quite open we are re ready to share uh, this experience uh, and thank you for helping ukraine stay with ukraine of course and again thank you for the time today this has been the government huddle podcast you can check out more episodes of the show by heading over to governmenthuddle.com or wherever you access your podcast and feel free to connect with me on linkedin or twitter at chittister thanks for listening guys bye for now